Welcome to the Equipping the Church podcast, where we help your church use technology well, and along the way, share remarkable stories from the local church. My name is Kristen Tete. I make things here at Faith Life, where we use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. On a recent visit to the Faith Life campus in Bellingham, Washington, three seasoned reverends from the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church sat down with me to talk about lessons they've learned from a century of ministry. Would you set an expiration date on your pastoral position? We explore this in the second of this three-part bonus conversation with the reverends Dr. Darren Mitchell, Dr. Kenneth James, and David A. Williams. Pastor Williams, you said something earlier today that I thought was so interesting as Uh-oh. you were as you were moving into your role at your current church, you set essentially an expiration date in mind. You 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 gave them an idea of how long you were going to serve. Tell us about that and why you made that decision. Certainly. Um, the congregation that I was serving prior to uh, being blessed to serve at uh, Greater Gethsemane, and, and of course, Greater Gethsemane is known um, for um, the leadership um, for a long tenure time of the senior bishop of our church, Bishop George E. Battle Jr., which all of us have served under Bishop Battle and know of his love and affection for Greater Gethsemane, and then for the Amy Zion Church. And so, you know, kudos to Bishop Battle and all that he has done for all of us um, right. and for who he is um, as a gift to the body of Christ and mm-hmm. as well as to the Amy Zion Church. And uh, that would be a whole nother conversation by itself just mm-hmm. to talk about uh, a man whose generosity surpasses his own capacity to understand it. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he understands yeah, the capacity of his own generosity. I've never met a kinder individual in my life. Mm-hmm. That's the honest Ever. truth. Ever. Yep. yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is that is right. It's just it just blows us away and, and how to go forth. But when I came to this congregation, one of the things that I was trying to make sure that I put in perspective was looking at my mistakes, my failures um, and realizing the opportunity, this new opportunity for ministry and how to grab hope to God and his breath and where he was leading me. And I realized that I wasn't going to have but so much more time. Um, to be able um, to go forth and to experience what God would ha- have to do. And so I said, okay, I said to the congregation, I said, based on where I am, you know, I'm, I'm 52. I, I don't see, uh, but but 16 more years of me doing this, I cannot be doing this all my life. Um, and so I, I began to realize that setting that uh, parameter of realizing what my ability might be able to do or where I could lead them was helping me to understand my vulnerability, also my weakness and coming to reality. Because I think we go through this thing where there is this pressure that's put on us to grow churches. Right. Mm -hmm. There's this pressure put on us to make churches grow and to make people better. And um, this is something all by itself at another time, agonizing over people walking uh, away from us and people leaving the church and stuff. And Kenny's got some great stuff on that. I mean, you know, I, I just, you go through all of that. And at some point in time, I think um, the statement is, is like, you'd be like a duck, you let the water hit your back and, and you just keep walking. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, the older you get, it, it ain't as easy 
to shake that water off. No. And and I've 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 learned that that the older I am, it seems like the water sticks a little bit longer. <laughs> and it's, and it's, or gets in your pores. Okay. Under your skin. And, Under your skin. And, and, and you're sitting there and you're realizing that for my sanity and for my family's sanity, I have got to be able to demonstrate I am not going to be trying to run around, uh, you know, in my latter 70s trying to make this thing happen. That doesn't mean I'm going to get out of ministry completely, mm-hmm. um, but but that everyday pastor thing where I am expected to be at this office and sit here and I got to come up with this message for Sunday and I've got to go visit this. And I got, I mean, at some point in time, I've got to see the end much earlier before it gets there so that I can prepare better for my departure and, and, and not be one of those individuals that's agonizing that this thing has ended. And I think something else too, that's really important that, um, and, I, you know, as we talk about how we may be able to impact others through this conversation, what that also does for you is it makes you take a different assessment of where your ministry is in the current present tense. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. most of us were trained and guided by mentors who, first of all, didn't have the option of doing anything else. Right. And then that meant, in some cases, they hung on too long. You know, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, uh, wrote in one of his journals and said, Lord, I pray that I will never live to be useless. And unfortunately, because the church in some ways has encouraged us not to look at other streams or avenues of, you know, support in life, what happens is that we have nothing but the church. And then we get into our 60s or 70s and, you know, the things that happen in life happen. You, You get in poor health and, you know... Changes will happen. And then you look up and realize, I have nothing but this. And now I have to stay with this because if I don't have this, who am I? What am I going to do? Hmm. So having that conversation at 52 and, you know, I had it around the same time when I was that age, you start to look at yourself differently and say, what else can I do if I can't do this? Or move to a new season in my life and there's something else that I can engage. And you're still being being productive right. in, in making that happen. Right. Darren Mitchell is a great teacher, right? He's already working in professorships at schools and that kind of thing. But what if he discovers one day that the shift of his life, because this is the thing about Jesus that makes us completely unprepared. Jesus calls us to an adventure, right. but we want safety. Mm. And At some point when you're following Jesus, you start to understand that he will call you to take risks. And when you look up and realize that the risk will take you off the path that you've traveled for 30 years, what are you going to do about that? Right. And if you're open and if you're open to being able to follow to follow the wind that's moving that sail, because that's the thing that Jesus does with Peter. That just is mind blowing at the beginning, at the end of Peter's life with Jesus, Jesus said the same thing. His first word and his last word to Peter were exactly the same. Follow, follow me. me. And I think the thing that really shaped that piece for me, um, uh, Kristen, in your in your question, was a presiding elder of my district, um, uh, the Reverend Stella Day Jackson, and um, he was transitioning in between Episcopal leadership. And uh, when things first got settled, he took a look and he decided. He says, "I think I'm going to retire at this point." And, and um, Stella Day Jackson is still living today. Today. Mind just as sharp as can be, 
but all of his colleagues that stayed are gone. Mm. Even his brother. Yep, even his brother. They're all gone. And so, you know, and 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 he he just kept saying, I, I want to live and I still want to do this and I still want to do that. So I think, you know, being able to sit and reflect and to look into the sunset and to know that those ripples out there, there's something else out there. I don't think that this is all that we were called, you know, to be able to do was just to just to be at our churches and um, and just to do that continuously, but to help persons in other ways. I think we were talking at um, earlier at the table and you began looking and I, and I had mentioned a professor of ours and started talking about that, you know, essentially um, we'll come to a point that we um, will never end up not needing God, but we may end up not needing the church. And so it's it's important for us to realize that we're kingdom workers and kingdom citizens first. Mm-hmm. And we will always be kingdom workers and kingdom citizens. Whether we are serving congregations or not, God is still going to be working through us to do different things mm-hmm. with individuals, whether it's in organized ministry or not. Because, you know, Jesus wasn't one of them kind of people that was always involved in the organized thing. Man, his whole life, every time you turn around, <laughs> Jesus, I mean, you know, he just get up and then next thing you know, here he is walking somewhere and something jump off and he was intending to be someplace else and he never got where he was intending to be. But people were still being blessed and, and taken mm-hmm. care of. And I just don't think that our lives fit that normal that normal pathway. It's a fearless, I think it's a fearless conversation you have to have with yourself. A fearless, fierce conversation. Are you enough? Because if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And so many people really, really fear having that conversation. Fear deters us from really having the critical conversation. And that is, if I'm no longer in it, will this survive? And some people think that I got to stay in it because I've got to help to shape it, got to help to save it, got to make sure that that there's a future. There are people now preparing to leave ministry, and we know the numbers are 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 startling now. Almost two thousand ministers, two two thousand pastors are leaving parish ministry every month. People are no longer going into parish ministry. I see it all the time in seminaries. They're going into specialized ministry. They don't want parish ministry. They'll work in a company. They'll work uh, as a chaplain in the hospital or military chaplain. They don't want parish ministry. And we're coming to a place now in the life of the church where it's almost difficult to, and we're coming to that now in our, in our own denomination where it's hard to place ministers. We're having a devil of a time uh, assigning pastors to churches and congregations. And if we do assign someone, we're we're clutching our we're clutching we're clutching ourselves, <laughs> yeah. and we're clutching our pearls for lack of a better term. <laughs> we're, we're we're holding on to we're holding on to our chest, and we're praying, Lord, I hope this works. I mean, I I I think about our friends who are bishops in the church, and how they struggle with assigning clergy to congregations because there is a definitive shortage. Not only in the AME Zion Church, but in the AME Church, AME, CME. I mean, it's across the board. And so we're we're coming to that point now. I'm hearing it more now. Uh, one, one gets to 50 or 60 and they're saying, all right, I'm out. I've done this enough. There's something else God is calling me to do. 
There's another space God is calling me to. And you just got to have the, the courage to trust God, to lead you, and at the same time, to see to it that his church continues. If it's God's church, God's church will continue, even if I'm not in the position of pastor or wherever I am right now. God's church will continue. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier you used the term burnout. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a sort of an analogy from scripture about burnout that I like to share with people, especially ministers. Um, we all know that what happened with Moses, how Moses, and it goes back to the call again. Now, this is a call versus a volunteer responsibility. Moses kind of volunteers to be a shepherd on the backside of the desert because he's running away from his past. Mm. Uh, but he gets there to the backside of the desert. And one day while he's tending his father-in-law's sheep, he looks up on the mountain and he sees a bush that is burning, but what draws him to the bush is that the bush is not consumed. Mm-hmm. So the bush is not burnt out. Right. Mm-hmm. Why is the bush not burnt out? Because God set the fire. Mm-hmm. Wow. And my suggestion mm-hmm. is that when we experience burnout, it's because we set the fire. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to keep the embers burning on something that we set right. a fire. But when God sets the fire, that's the call because the call will not relinquish even in the face of oppression, opposition. And by the way, Moses came up with every excuse that he could think of not to go and fulfill the destiny that God had ordained for him. Finally, and I thought I think it's the funniest story maybe in the Bible. He goes to the whole thing about, oh, you know, I can't speak. I can't talk. They won't believe me. You know, And then finally he says to God, look, just send somebody else because plain simple, I just don't want to go. Right. You know, and God, and it's interesting, the only time that the Bible says that God expressed anger with Moses is when Moses just decided he wasn't going to do it because Moses failed to realize that God was not sending him. God said, I'm going with you. Wow. And when we fail to understand that the journey includes God, it's not God saying, go and tell me the best, do the best you can. Let me know how it works out. That's not how this journey works. Yeah, holler at me later. Holler at me later. <laughs> you know, let me know if it works out. If it's, you know, deuces, you know, right. good luck to you. Right. God says, no, I will go ahead of you. I'm already there. I'm with you. And when we fail to understand that, that's when we begin to feel all those pressures. That goes back to what Dr. Mitchell was saying earlier, that we're constantly trying to prove ourselves and trying to validate ourselves. And we don't recognize the call that is on our lives because we're hoping some else will tell us that we're okay right. no, hmm. just 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 believe that you are enough hmm. Hmm. and do what you've been called to do and then realize and nothing more and nothing more and as that piece that you've been sharing with me for years there's no more superhero syndrome so you're not gonna come in here and save the day you're not gonna save the church and uh, and I think all of us have gone through that when we first got it. We thought when we got to these churches and man, we can we're gonna fix this, we're gonna fix this, we're gonna fix every broken window in the building. Mm-hmm. We're gonna and 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 we're gonna we're gonna make sure every padded pew gets repaired uh, gets repadded, and we just I mean we're just gonna do all this kind of stuff. And then you start growing and discerning God to find homing in on what is though what are those sets of things that God really wanted from you. And then you start chasing after the set of things that God really wanted for you rather than you just trying to do all these other kinds of things because it's just not possible um, for you to be anything else but who you are. Right. 
You know, the gospel mm. speaks through our personality. So when you start trying to jump in somebody else's shoes and sound like somebody else, I think we were talking uh, right. with the preaching and hoop and all this other kind of stuff, like well, like somebody else. And then you, you start finding out that, uh, you know, next week, yeah, you know, hey, I got to sound like this because this, this is what folk want, you know, rather than you just getting up there and just being you and who you are mm. um, and taking that, uh, that approach um, to ministry. So when people volunteer and people get involved in ministry, we need to see, and we want to encourage individuals, just be who you are. Mm -hmm. Bring the gifts and graces that God has given you and allow those things to be a blessing um, to the church uh, and to the community and go forth. It's almost like sometimes um, people go to the bank and they'll work for the bank and they'll just, I mean, they'll just show off all their skills and stuff. They come in and they get to church and they act like, you know, they turned off the light bulb or something and all of that good stuff that they give into the bank, they can't give to the church, you mm. know, and, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way at mm -hmm. all. This is an episode I need to listen to a few times in order to capture all of the gems. Did you catch what Dr. James said, that Jesus calls us to adventure, but we want comfort? And what about the analogy of the burning bush not burning out because God set the fire? Wow! Be sure to check out the other episodes in this bonus series. Today's podcast was brought to you by Faith Life and co-produced by Amber Smith and me, Kristen Tete. Our audio technician is Jack Underwood. To subscribe and learn more about how to equip your church, go to faithlife.com slash podcasts slash ETC. If this is useful to you, take a moment to rate and review the Equipping the Church podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. While you're there, give us your ideas for future episodes. And as always, we love hearing your stories. So share them with us at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Thanks for spending your time with us today. Blessings to you in your ministry.